0: Hey, a pleasant good evening, everybody. I hope you're doing well in Philly, Philly, Philly. Yep, we had a great sports equinox. Everybody probably enjoyed it, especially because no one in this town likes the Nationals. And the Astros won. This is true Philadelphia sportscast. One with the Hive. The Sixers battled tonight. They played through some adversity. They played through the refs who seemed like they were in a parallel universe. But we're going to start with one with the Hive on our boy Mike Scott and the fact that he had no business being ejected. So, Andrew, what is your opinion on that flagrant, too?
1: Yeah, that was absolutely atrocious. I don't know what the refs were even thinking. Um, I don't know whether that expands to – I know the replay is in center is in uh, New York. So I don't know if that expands to them or if it's the refs on the court that made the call. But either way, I don't know what they were looking at. That, that was barely a flagrant one. I don't even know if it was a flagrant one. I mean, yeah, was he going after the ball? In a sense, he wasn't, but – it was a little bump. It was a little chest bump to the guy. I mean, if, if you can't take that in a professional sport, you have no business being in the league. Like it, it was, it was barely a push. That that was just atrocious because that that really kicks out a key player to our team. I mean, Mike Scott is he a starter? No, but is he a key bench player? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was the, it was in the second quarter too. So you basically played three fourths of the game almost without one of your key role players, and. I mean, it just changed the whole complexity of how you have to handle your rotation minutes too, especially when you lose another guy later in the game due to an injury. I mean, that just all piles together, but I don't the ref's gotta fix that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like the great college says, I fall apart down to the core. You know? Happens sometimes. Uh we, we, we had an we had an injury, uh we bounced back. Granted, I do not like Furkan this year, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be completely blunt about that. That dude has looked like he's got a little bit better at shooting, but still misses. So he's still kind of been a waste of space on the floor most of the time he's out there. But he had to be out there because Shake got injured, so I'm not faulting Brett Brown for that. I'm just saying from the perspective of Furkan, I don't know if moving on to him, because I agree with everything you said about Scott, that was atrocious, and those refs, like I said, to start off were just in some parallel universe. Moving on to that, if you think Furkan should have even been re-signed for two years.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing with the refs. I mean, it, it's been a problem for I don't know how many years, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And it's just like the NFL. Unfortunately, it doesn't Might be seem worse like to change. I mean, the, the NBA refs, it was terrible. I mean, even outside that call, it was just a terrible ref game. It was just time after time, bad call after bad call. And it went both ways. I'm not even going to just sit here and say time it was just against the Sixers. Time. I mean, they missed so many different calls. But let's get back. I mean, Furcon... I think I think he can develop into a, a, a good a good player. I mean, it's a it's an interesting take to see, but hopefully he comes together. I mean, you got to view it similar to Dario coming overseas. I mean, the overseas players just take a little bit, and I mean, it's only like his third year.
0: That's true, but I feel like Dario Sark was a way more athletic uh, guy that has a chance to be a better NBA player than a guy like Corkmonge or Corkmonge is just a shooter and Dario can kind of do more things like you're you're kind of limited as just a shooter I don't know if if you agree with that but
1: No, I agree with that but I mean that's the thing with that type of player is it's just never gonna he's never gonna develop into a player like Dario just because Dario is forced to do more because because of his role on the team Well, Furcon's role is more just to be that shooter like in the sense yeah the and, problem
0: is you have to be that shooter to be that shooter you can't you can't just be on the floor almost making shots that only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades uh so.
1: no I get that but I'm saying like he he showed improvements in the offseason and I think that I think it's gonna come come by with time I mean he's never gonna play key minutes anyway like well, he partner. might
0: have to though if Miltons out for a while. That's what worries me, because what other shooter you got off this bench?
1: Well, it's only game three. I mean, if if say shake Miltons out for the season, and
0: well, I don't think he's going to be out you, for the you, season, but say he's out no, for no, three just, weeks. My <laughs> point is,
1: my point is, it's only game three. Luckily, so you you make a move at the deadline where you wouldn't have to have him.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 I'm not worried about the whole shooting perspective because our defense is so ridiculous. I'm just saying, people, like, it's not just me. If you look at Twitter, F- Philly Twitter, uh, Sixers Twitter, um, especially big-time guys like Nelly, everyone just gets, like, by God, why is Furkan Korkman back on the floor? Like, that's most people's reaction where I just don't think he's that great. I think he's an average-at-best NBA player. And he's not even to that average point yet. He starts to get to actually being average to actually be decent, <laughs> because he, he's only made what, I think one three all season.
1: No, and I agree so. with you. He's not a good player right now. But I'm just saying he's a guy that's trying to get to develop, and I think he has the has has the potential to develop. Because I mean, if you saw what he did in, in this summer, I mean, he carried uh, he almost carried them to a victory over the U.S. I mean, he just plays
0: But that's international play, that's different than NBA play, so I mean.
1: I mean, it's a little closer to the net, but overall, it's. Pretty quick, especially when he does it against the U.S., who's basically an NBA That's team. true. Yeah, that is a good
0: point. Although, they did, although, of course, we did have less people go over because nobody cared about that this year. It was like, I'm not playing. Nope, I'm not playing. Nope, uh, screw you people. Like, So it's not like that those teams had as much people as they normally have because most people just checked out and when I'm focusing on the NBA season, now that there's a lot of parallel in the league. But, I mean, he also did good, I believe, when he played in the summer league, didn't he?
1: Yeah, that's why he had a very good summer overall. So, that's why I think yeah. he has he has some potential. I think I, I just don't think he's ever going to develop into that.
0: I just think world. Milton has a chance to be a better player than Furcon. That's all that. It,
1: it Absolutely, Shake Milton's been my sleeper since the draft.
0: But uh, that's why it's sad he's out. But anyway, we don't want to stay on Furcon yeah. for too long because yeah. most people don't love Furcon. So definitely don't want to talk about him for a long extended period of time. But we'll move on to the referees and how it seems like our refs were kind of I don't know if they took a trip to the line Witch in the wardrobe and went into Narnia because they clearly were not in this universe calling this game so I don't know what your feel on the refs were
1: I mean I think it was bad overall again as I said earlier I think I, I think it's never going to change I think it's been like this for a very long time now the last few years and I think you're stuck with it I think it's it's a league where they give the calls to the superstar and they don't give the call to the right play call all the time. I think they fall into the trap of making the star happy.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's also an issue within itself, though. I mean, you can't... Like, we talk about being more um, inclusive as a league, but wouldn't inclusivity include also, I don't know, uh, maybe... Being nice to overall players rather than just being like, oh, we only care about the stars of our freaking league. <laughs> like, like that, like, like you're, you're kind of a hypocrite at that point when you're giving to all these charities as the NBA to be very inclusive, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we only care about our stars. Like, it's great that you, don't get me wrong, keep giving to the charities, that's a great thing, but if you're trying to be an inclusive league and expand into internationally, you can't act stupid nationally. That that's kind of the point that I think most people are trying to make. The league kind of been stupid nationally lately with certain things and they're trying to expand internationally. That's not going to really work if you keep being this way.
1: No, I 100 agree with you. I'm just saying that's that's where I think the league's at right now is that they're too too trapped into that world where they do give it to the star though. Like and I think you see it at the end of the game. Every every single close end of the game. I mean, people complain about James Harden. Well, you can't blame James Harden for playing the way he plays when the refs give him all those calls. I mean, it's just not gonna. He's gonna keep playing the way until it doesn't work, and that that's just the way they're at now. They're already too far down in that trap.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely are. But the thing is, I mean, all things can be reversed if you bring in the right people to kind of change the culture. For example, the Flyers were a minute dead-to-the-world team last year with Dave Haxtell. You have Elaine Vigneault this year. You actually have a pulse. Uh, the Sixers added more depth to their team. They obviously had a pulse last year and were good, but they even have more of a pulse this year. And then I'm not even going to get on the Eagles because I'm still confused shitless about the Eagles. But the... Uh, the um. The Phillies signed Joe Girardi, and that's going to give them more of a pulse. And like I kind of said on Twitter today, I'll say in our Phillies podcast, we are expand on this, that's going to probably help Glentac as much as it helps our players. But the point is, you have all these teams having that great pulse, and you see that with the Sixers, so I don't know if you want to talk about that, because like this team has won in certain games in spite of one, turnovers, two, the refs in some games, and three, just not great scoring. So, I don't know, like, that's a good thing in my opinion, because then when you really hit the ground running, you're going to be even better.
1: Absolutely, and that's what's been huge these first, I mean, it's three games into the year, but I'm going to say it now, this this team is something special. I mean, the the way these last two games on the road have played out is completely different than what last year would have been. Mm-hmm. Last year, I am very confident saying that these last two games would have been a loss.
0: Oh, I 100 percent agree.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Been a loss on the road where you struggle all the time, and you just don't have the bench to keep you in. This year's been 100 percent different, and it's going to be different. Just because, like you said, you build a team with depth, and this team has veterans on it that know how to lead, and Al Horford, Mike Scott, and they they know how to carry a team, and it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a very special year. I um, I really think that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think this year I think this year's is just a good year for the city in general because first of all, I don't I will touch on this on our next preview of the Eagles podcast, but if it takes us against the world mentality, sure, because winning cures everything. The only problem is if you don't win and win these games, that's a biggest slap in the face of the city that they're gonna come at your throat, cutthroat at that point. So you better hope you win. But These other teams are united, and it's completely different than the way the Eagles do it. The Eagles kind of do it us against the world, which I don't like, but if you win, like I said, it cures everything. The Sixers, Flyers, and Phillies do it more united with the fan base and the media, where I like that more. I don't know if you like the way the Sixers operate more than, realistically, just one team in Philadelphia, or or not.
1: I mean... Honestly, I, I think the Sixers are similar to the way the Eagles were, and especially seventeen. They seem like such a group together. I mean, they know people are going to count them out because, like Simmons knows all the hate he gets, and Embiid knows the hate he gets for the trash talking. And yeah, I mean, he's a target. In the yeah,
0: league. like Blake like Scott's
1: report. known for being aggressive, so he's got a target on his back. I mean, these guys are just as chippy as the you saw on that Eagles team. I mean. They all—I mean—that's what players live for. They live for the—they live for motivation, and they look for that negative that gets them motivated. And that's what you—I mean—that's what you're seeing, even with this team. I mean, just take tonight. What what Sixers looked so flat tonight until what happened—the chippy play where Scott gets ejected—that clearly motivated this team, and they wanted to respond.
0: Yeah, I mean, you saw even before Milton got injured, it looked like when he made that one three, and he's pretty usually a quiet individual, it looked like he turned around to the bench and kind of said something, which I like to see that from a guy that's a second-year player that's starting to get spunk and get his confidence up, which is why I'm not... I like uh, a lot of people that write for Bleacher Report, but there's a select few that do not know what the difference between the word cocky and confidence means, where... Like, they tweeted out tonight about Joe Embiid and said that that was... I don't think they said... They might have said that was cocky. They just said that was like a bad... Something paraphrasing like that. And I responded and said, or maybe it's just confidence. Because there's a big difference between what cockiness... Because a lot of people could consider... If we consider that cockiness, a lot of people could consider Joe Girardi's press conference today cocky. And I don't think people consider that cocky. They consider that confident. So, it's kind of the same thing. That's why people got mad when Doug Peterson walked it back. Brett Brown, I think, I really love Brett Brown because he typically, now as he's developing and maturing, does not walk anything back. So.
1: I I agree. And that's. said Bleacher Report is not one of my favorite go to uh, sources. But, I mean, Brett Brown's here, and I love Brett Brown's energy. He's never taken a playoff. I mean, he's yelling from the start to finish, and he, he. he I think he's the right coach for this team. And when you talk about comparing, like, I mean, to your point about that, I didn't see that post they had, but I assume you're talking about all the dunk he had. Is that the the one they posted that for? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that it was a little uncalled for. I mean, he did get straight up in his face, but I mean, that's that's the, that's the sport,
0: way though. I mean, if you're not, know, it's not like he fought him. It's not like he dropped the gloves like a full-out hockey fighter was like hey let's go bro like that would have been a problem but that's not what happened which is why i was okay with it
1: yeah i mean the hawks didn't like it that's for sure i mean i think they ended i think the hawks ended up getting technical on that play they did
0: we both got it we got a double technical that's why there was no free throws because i think trey young was the other one that got a technical on it
1: it was trey younger the coach i mean the coach ran
0: it was either the coach or Trey. I think it was Trey, though, because I think Trey got the – I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Trey got the technical, which caused the coach to run to the field, and then he almost got a technical, but he
1: didn't.
0: So – or not the field yeah. court, but – And
1: again, I just think that's that, – that, that's poor refereeing right there, too. I mean, I don't think Embiid deserves a T tee for it. I mean, he technically – I
0: don't really think miss, Trey Young, play, frankly, yet. deserves a T tee for it either because it was kind of just two guys going at each other. That should have just been let go in general.
1: But, I mean, Trey Young got the technical because he left the play. I mean, he had nothing to do with the play, and he just ran straight to the ref's face. I mean.
0: Oh, yeah, they... yeah, yeah. But I'm saying if MB didn't get a te- like, emotions were high there, where I don't know if Trey. Like, Trey Young, obviously, you have to be more observant because if you see that your one guy get a technical, you don't want to get a double technical because you would have. That, that benefited the Sixers, too, in terms of getting momentum, I think, because that didn't affect them at all. When you get a double technical, there's no effect to it. It's almost like an offsetting penalty in football. So that's why uh, that that's almost a momentum grabber. With Trey Young, kind of just he's not he's a very smart player, but that was stupid on his part. Kind of like you said, but I mean, I don't think he would have got a technical if this game was different. Was kind of what I was saying. The the vibe of this game was different. I don't think he would have got a technical.
1: Gotcha. I just, I hate double technicals because it's just a cop out. I feel like for the ref and I don't know. Yeah, because I don't think Joel would have done that either. The vibe of this
0: game was different, and the refs were able to control the game. This reminded me of the refs when the Flyers played Pittsburgh, where it was like, yeah, we're just going to let anything happen in our right mind, and then we'll just throw people out if it happens. Just like, no, that's not really how that's supposed to work, actually. So, that, that that's really what this game, when I was watching this game, I was thinking back to the 20, I think it was, yeah, 2012, The the time that we played Pittsburgh, or it might have been before that, but I, but I'm trying to think back exactly, but the series that, they, we literally fought after a goal, I remember Danny Brees scored one goal, and it was like, they were playing because they had the Union song going back there, it was like, buh, and then everyone was just punching each other, it was like, wait, excuse me, like, we don't see that from this game, but if you have refing like this, you're gonna, you're setting yourself up for disaster like that if you're being too loosey-goosey. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but...
1: No, I 100% agree with that, and that's why sometimes you end up seeing vice versa, and you'll have refs kind of like in uh, the Eagles-Bills game on Sunday, when you get that first chippy hit, then they become over-cautious, and then they control the crap out of the game, and it gets over-done. Now, that's what I thought the refs did in that Eagles game, was they overdid it.
0: Oh, they did. They totally. I mean... The, well, the refing in the—I would say the NFL and the NBA is the worst when it comes to officiating. Because the MLB still had rest in peace, Eric Cooper, but he was one of the ambassadors that kept the fans together and helped to keep togetherness in the league. So they—I think I said this already before—but they have to find a guy to replace him. Uh, the NBA kind of needs a catalyst guy to drive the force of saying, "Hey, look!" they like they have some, but obviously it's not getting the message through enough. So they have to have another guy to say, "Hey, look, that would resonate more with fans." We're trying to get better, not somebody that fans don't care about their opinion.
1: Yeah, there's your your next poll question. You can do is which officiating's worse, NFL or NBA?
0: That's a good point. Yeah, which officiating's worse, NFL? Or, yeah, because honestly, the MLB still has like not not homers. Homers isn't the road. Still has baseball lovers as umps which I think the problem is you have people that just do this mo- do this job for the money nowadays and for the egocentric part of them where you had guys that did it more for the love of the game in the past and that's not really coming at those people's more it's just coming at their fact that I think a lot of these people could be good refs if they actually set their mind to it more and didn't just do it for the spotlight where there's one guy in baseball that's a- Completely like that and his name is Angel Hernandez other than that a lot of the people actually kind of have a backbone to their points that dude just has no clue what he's talking about at the time
1: I mean uh, you got it's ugly I mean it's something that needs to be fixed and hopefully somehow some way it will get fixed but I mean and then the whole challenge thing is a joke in itself because no calls are going to get rarely get overturned just like the NFL pass interference barely gets overturned. I mean, if it ever gets overturned,
0: I, I think mean, one um, or that's, two that's got overturned.
1: Deal. Yeah,
0: I think if I'm not mistaken, it's only been single. I know you can count on one hand still. I think the amount that got overturned, from what I I think that's what they said on uh, the radio the other day. So, but the point is, as we move on to the next topic, I mean, the refs in every like it's just how when you have zoomorph and Allah, who are very genuinely nice people, come out and say, this is terrible, this doesn't even make the game a joy to watch, a game that those two are so invested in, that's when you know you have a problem, especially with Mark Zumoff who wins SBs and Emmys and whatever else awards you want. I don't know about Emmys, but SB, like all the sports awards that you can possibly win as a broadcaster, that's somebody the NBA should look and go, holy crap, we should probably get our act together if this dude's calling us out, you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: Absolutely. They're two guys that usually don't really ever rip into officiating, and nobody ever ripping into them tonight, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, because I think we have a who gives a crap anymore culture with the league because the league doesn't care. It's more like the announcers go, well, if you guys don't care about bringing on good officiating, why would I care about insulting you? It's kind of a two way street. So once you get to that point, it gets ugly, but it's kind of, look. I don't normally rip on umpires. Like, John Crux sometimes, when there's a bad ump, a younger ump, he's like, look, I don't normally rip on umpires, but that was atrocious. Like, if there was a bad strike call, he'll be like, that was a disgrace. Like, so, I mean, we're getting to a point where there's more division when that's not going to work because when you get to, when the next I want to talk about is when you get to a a new CBA in every sport. I don't know when it comes up for the NBA compared to every sport, but being divisive is probably going to lead to lockouts. I don't know what your take would be on that. In terms of what? In terms of, I don't know when the NBA, CBA comes up, but I know the NFL's is close, the baseball's is close, and the NHL's is pretty close, and I think the NBA's about a year later. So, if these leagues, especially the NFL and NBA, don't become more united as a whole front, there's probably going to be a lockout, unfortunately. Even people in baseball, Adam Wainwright has already come out and said, I think there's going to be a lockout, like, about a year or so ago. So, I mean, it's not looking good necessarily for these sports, with the division
1: within the in-house of the business. And that's what you get with bad commissioners, and I mean, that's what Rod Manfred is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Adam Silver's a contradictory commissioner for me. I wouldn't necessarily say he's bad, he just kind of... Like I said, if you want to be expanding into other markets, you got to show them that you should expand. Like you got to not be stupid in the national market to expand into other markets. That doesn't work. Where if 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 China goes well, why the hell would we want to watch show more baseball games that have terrible officiating? They actually have a point because. They don't feel like having half their citizens now being like boo, 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 around town the entire time about how bad these NBA games have been. So, like, that's why. And not necessarily bad in terms of how the towns played. But that was an exciting as hell game to watch tonight you know, with how both teams played. But both teams were were very limited due to the refing, and that's not what you like to see. You could have had way more probably scoring, way more good defensive plays in this game, and. That, that's not really what you like to see where like Thibel I'll, I'll shout him out for defense he made that great recovery play the one probably should have been a foul but that's how this game was even I was like that was a foul but I'm not going to say anything because these refs basically don't know what they're doing so
1: and, and now that you bring that guy up let's actually let's move into him he's a guy I would love to talk about uh, the the development that we're already seeing in my my T has been outstanding I mean to finally have a rookie that contributes on the offensive and defensive end of the floor has just been fantastic. It's something we've barely seen these I mean these last few years. And finally it's I mean, his the way he plays defense is insane. Like that that quickness he shows and the he's never taken a playoff and he's playing defense from the basket to stretched out the half court. I mean Even the announcers were saying on that one play where he had the steal. I mean, he he was guarding a guy up by half court when the guy was just trying to throw it back and reset the play. And you just don't see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, talk about having good peripheral vision. That dude has it.
1: I mean, this team has played in only three games so far. And he's got eight steals already. Yeah. He's got eight steals and four blocks off the bench.
0: Yeah, that dude knows how to read a play. I mean, what I would call him is a Tony Allen on steroids because he's going to be develop into a good offensive player where Tony Allen only had his days offensively. I think Thibel could probably eventually average at least 12 to 15 more so than, uh, than a couple seasons in his career. Probably more like 15 more than a couple seasons in his career. Where Tony Allen, I think only did that two, three times maybe. So I would say he's more of a Tony Allen on steroids because he's that good at defense. He's but he's going to become better at offense, I think, because he has more athletic ability, and Tony Allen was Tony Allen was more of a guy that fought for everything he got. Fiebel has
1: more athletic ability than Tony Allen, in my opinion. I, I, mean, I agree with that. That's a good comparison, and that, that's where I think you'll see, like you said, his offense will his, develop. I mean, he made, he was only two for seven from three today, but that, that'll change his time. I'm as just long.
0: happy he's not afraid to I shoot. Mean,
1: exactly, and that's huge is that the team gives them all the confidence in the world.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I I don't like when guys are, they did that literally, symmetry, uh, if if obviously you can't see, we're going to eventually try to get stuff, or maybe we will go on Twitch for some stuff in the future, so you guys can see some of the funny stuff, but we literally just drank water bottles symmetrically, anyway, uh, back to Matisse Thibault as we go on to like how the morning show acts with the great uh, 975 morning show. Just start going off topic uh, the, about didgeridoos and all that other stuff. Anyway, also whoever's stealing Trey Thomas's stuff, shot Terrell and Trey Thomas's stuff. That dude's a goat, and someone keeps stealing his stuff, <laughs> and somebody keeps messing with that dude in the 95. Shoot, every time I listen to it in the morning, uh, he's like, "Somebody stole my my mug." Someone stole my didgeridoo the other day, now someone stole my mug. And and I just start dying, and I'm like, why did someone... And then I tweeted about, like, someone has to stop touching another man's stuff. (laughs) But, (laughs) like... But, like... Anyway, like, that's why I love that show, because it's like a comedy hour combined with sports, and then the later ones are more serious. So if you you have the opportunity to listen to 95.7 throughout the day, I would highly recommend it to Philadelphia, because you have the great comedy in the morning. Uh, Gargano and... um, Martinez are kind of a combination as well miss brings in Mikey miss brings in the comedy as well, and then you have the later depends on the season who you have afterwards, depending on what in season you are like b West was on today uh but if it's not football season Westbrook, I don't think so on all the time in the summer so but anyway, uh back to uh not getting sidetracked uh the the um thing is i I believe that. And also a shout-out uh, to Mark Farzetta. Mark is great on the morning team. But anyway, moving on. We uh, have a very good team that fights. They show the passion. They show the grit. And like I always say, Philly likes a team that represents them. Philly is a blue-collar city. It's a city that... Yeah, yeah I could say this. It's a city that really never sleeps. It, it, Absolutely that, not. That, that, that is true. Um, and it's a city that everybody is a grinder. There's a big entrepreneurial spirit in Philly. There's a huge musical spirit in Philly. Uh, I could list 500 bands now from Philly, but I'm not going to do that because that would be very bad for the listener. And they have a very good, vibrant community that's even rising more with podcasters now also in Philly. There's a million podcasters. And it's great seeing that great entertainment industry take fold again in Philly when it kind of went away for a little bit, and then it came back in tenfold. So, that's a great thing to see, and the Sixers embody that. They embody that hard-working culture, and that's just... So does Brett Brown. That's why I think he always got a bad rep, because he talks like the city talks. Sometimes people just don't like someone... It's like they say opposites attract. Sometimes similarities don't attract, I guess, for those certain people that complain about Brett Brown.
1: And... I mean, that's what makes the city so fun. It's just the way it never takes anything off, and like I mean, it's fun interacting with everyone on Twitter from new people like us trying to develop a podcast, or just fans in general. I mean, and that's what happens when you have so many sports teams, and I mean, even even the, the the heart we see in the fandom with college teams is just incredible.
0: Oh yeah, but Penn State, even from all the way from Philadelphia, Penn State's closer to Pittsburgh by a long shot, than it is to to Philly, and we have a huge fandom for Penn State in Philadelphia, because we have a lot of ex-Penn State students, which is fantastic to have that huge fandom, and also shout out to Penn State for starting off good, it's going to be tough against Ohio State boys, but shout out to you all for starting they off a get, good season, they gotta but get by Minnesota first, they gotta get by Minnesota, but 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 who's harder?
1: Ohio State by far. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think they have a good chance to beat Minnesota. I don't think they beat Ohio State. So, but anyway, as we started somehow talking about Penn State football in the middle of the Sixers uh, podcast, the the thing with this team is I wanted to give a shout out to is, Shake Milton being injured, I think, is going to be similar. Where if he's out for a while, it's going to be more of a factor than people think. What I compare it to is Scott Lawton with the Flyers. We saw yesterday there was less defense, and I was like, "Christ!" I knew Scott Lawton being out was going to be more of a factor than we thought, because Tyler Pitlick ain't a bad NHL player, but he's a speed guy. He's not a guy that's that good at on both ends. Where um, that's the, where Shake looks like he even developed his defense from what I've seen. It's not that he just developed his offense. It looks like he's quicker with uh, moving his feet, staying in front of the guy, and shifting like you're supposed to as a good defender.
1: I, I you know, you know that huge shake in his hand. So I mean, his his development's gonna be pretty good. I mean, you saw it in the G League. He was scoring at will in the G League, and I mean, even here. I mean, it's a small sample size, but. In three games and limited playing time, he's got nineteen points on the on the year. He's shooting fifty percent from the field and forty four from three. Forty four percent from three. I mean, again, small sample size, but I, I think he's going to be developing a key key role player because we don't have a kind of another backup point guard for Simmons, and that's something Milton can yeah. even bring to the table if he has to. And it's he's yeah. he's a guy he's a second round pick, so he's he slipped on yeah and. Hopefully, it's a hyper, it's a hyperextended knee, left knee. And- let me
0: comment on that since I have knee issues. Uh, real quick, real quick. Let me let me just comment on that since I personally have knee issues. That doesn't sound good to me. But hyperextensions knees, I know, can be from a bad degree to a not that bad degree, where it could be a day to day thing, or it could be a week to week thing, or it could be a month to month thing. It really depends on how hyperextended your knee is, and hopefully for shake. For not just him as a ball player, screw just that factor, but him as a person, he's okay, because that's very hard to go through, and I hope that this dude's able to come back quick, because see, when he comes back, he's going to come back and contribute to this team right away, I think, because that's his his work ethic. His work ethic is he's going to find a way to keep learning things when he is out, if he is out. Hopefully he's not, but I'm just saying I don't think there's anything to worry about, even if he is, because he's a dude that's going to watch tape. He's gonna watch the other guys shoot. He's gonna learn from other guys' shooting formations he likes to emulate. He's that hard working of a work ethic that I hope he's back sooner rather than later, but I don't worry about him if he's not either.
1: Yeah, I mean let's take the positive out of it. I thought it could have been an ACL when it first happened the way his leg went back, so I mean, let's be thankful it's not that
0: yeah well i was kind of trying to be positive too uh i wasn't really being negative with that i was more just
1: saying oh, no, 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 i no, not yeah. i wasn't directing that you i was just saying in general it could have been worse i mean i don't even know i mean could have, the way he went down he, he stayed there for that could have been a couple s- things yeah. for a while i mean but i mean no he's definitely been working and you just you've seen it and even just the way he improved in the G League, I mean, you see the effort he's putting in, and you saw the effort in college the way he puts in, and he will never give up.
0: Now he's one of, well, he's another guy that you know, you know, is a second round pick. You got to do everything, you got to fight for everything, you got to have that tenacity in order to be great in this league, and prove to everybody that you should not have been picked in the second round. And like you've been highlighting all along. He's has that in his bones. That's what Shake Milton's built off of. That's his ideology. That's literally what the dude's all for. So, and that's great for this city. So I, that's why. Whatever. And most people really like Shake now. And people get on Furcon like me. If he develop, I'm not saying I don't think Furcon can ever develop. I just don't see it myself personally. I'm kind of with some of. Phillies radio, like, Missinelli, like, saying, like, I just don't understand why this dude gets... If we had, a, let's put it this way, if we had another shooter on a team, he would not be in the game that much. That's that's just a good way to put it. If we had Shake Milton, and then, like, even Jamal Crawford, who I really don't want on the team either, he would not be in the game that much. So, that's kind of the way that uh, I would think of
1: it. I agree, but that's the problem. I mean, you don't have anyone else, so you're forced to have... To try no, that, exactly, to and
0: I wouldn't get Jamal either, because Jamal's too much of a gunner at this point, and is just average at best at this point of his NBA career. Now, he was uh, great fine. before, but he's not great now.
1: That's why is still sitting there.
0: Yeah, now, Melo, I think, could work for certain teams, not here, I don't know why we bring him here, but he could work for certain teams... Because it seems like he's matured more, he's been on interviews, he's kind of said how some of that was a bunch of lies, which is not surprising since James Dolan is one of the worst people on the planet. So, it's not surprised that that was a bunch of lies from uh, the uh, Knicks over there, because James Dolan's not a good owner and he's really just not a good person. I mean, how do you throw somebody out of a stadium for life just because they said you should sell the team? You want to know what part of business is? Being constructively criticized. James Dolan is just too much of a you-know-what to be constructively criticized. So, uh, that dude, Jeffrey Lurie, who, thank God, the Marlins Jeffrey Lurie, is not an owner in baseball anymore. Um, But Derek Jeter ain't much better, to be quite honest with you. As a Derek Jeter, I love you as a baseball player, but damn, you need to get your act together as an owner. And the uh, thing is, you have these owners that suck, so obviously they're going to deter a guy's career because they're egocentric, uh, I think you can say pricks with the FEC. <laughs> egocentric pricks, <laughs> so that's just kind of how they are.
1: No, I mean, no, I, I was pretty much, I don't think that would fit here either. I think I was mainly kidding because he's been thrown out there a lot and... Honestly, at this point in his career, I think he's basically just another Mike Scott. I don't think he's...
0: Exactly. He could be contributor to a team that we don't need him. It's just, I think he's being blackmailed a little bit because of James Dolan kind of saying certain things and having that story cut. And then the Rockets, he went to the Rockets, of course, and they didn't have a good thing, a good exodus there, and stuff was said about Melo. And a lot of people have come out, not just Carmelo, to say that's not really been the case. So... That's why I feel like it's just a little bit of an odd situation.
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you don't get kicked out of the stadium for that. I mean, that's that's just him being scared, basically, the way that that shows about Dolan.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like like, uh, the one quote I said that, by the way, Twitter, how did you get this wrong? The only thing to fear is fear itself. That is Franklin Roosevelt, not Teddy Roosevelt. Just an FYI to people. Uh... But the thing is, no offense to people, but I mean, I thought that would be an easy one. And meanwhile, uh, we had only got four votes, but I mean, every, but, but, but th- how do three people think that's Teddy? That that's the only thing uh, that, that even somebody commented on it. I was like, I don't know how people got this one wrong. I, I was surprised by that one, but that's exactly what James Dolan needs to follow. Uh, that dude is afraid of everything in life. He, I mean, he didn't let da- it was Daryl Strawberry, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. That he threw out of the stadium. Uh,
1: I can't remember honestly. Um, I don't know. I let's just say it was why.
0: I believe it was Daryl Strawberry. Let's put it that way. I'm not. I, I I don't have that in front of me, but I think from memory it was Daryl because he sits behind Dolan whoever it was, assuming it was Daryl, and he kind of started coming at him a little bit with good critiques of what James Dolan should actually do as an owner instead of being a complete idiot. And he kind of just kicked him out of the entire stadium, which is when he, I believe, is let back in now since Knicks fans basically boycott, like, protested that and went, well, I'm not showing up to your damn game with, with your atrocious basketball team, your atrocious owner. And your atrocious uh, roster. So, like, people back then were like, well, this ain't happening. So,
1: you were right, it was Strawberry.
0: It was Dallas Strawberry. Yeah, I, for some reason, I had the... That's just a name that you can remember. I mean, how many guys' last names are Strawberry? So, I mean, it's an easy name to kind of remember. Uh, not to mention he was good as hell for the Knicks. So, I mean, the fact that you threw out one of your all-time greats is such a disgrace to, to your team as well. That would be like if... Um, that would be like if... What's his name? Like, AI was sitting behind... Or some other Sixers great was sitting behind Dr. J... And he disagreed with one of our ownerships... No matter which one was there. And if it was Ruben, etc. Um, so, whoever it was... That would be like... If they're like, oh, we'll get out of here then. They wouldn't do that. They would probably actually say... here, come into my office and we'll talk about this. Because that the Sixers are a family culture. The Knicks... And Stephen A. Smith even says this as a Knicks fan, and I don't like trashing other teams necessarily, especially when they're a rival. But the Knicks, in terms of attacking them like this, the Knicks are a trash culture. Like that—that's the problem. You can't win with a divided, divisive culture because it stems from the top down. And the Knicks ain't going to win with James Dolan as their owner. That's just the sad reality. I think New York has come to that sad reality now, which is why. Guys in New York, you look at New York Twitter and most people are like, please sell this team. You complete incompetent
1: person. Like, so. Well, I don't know. I think we're actually mixing it up because Daryl Strawberry was a baseball player, wasn't he? Wasn't he the guy for the Mets? So now I I don't think it wasn't.
0: Uh...
1: Hold on, but this is this is get back to this. Oh uh, wait
0: wait 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 wait.
1: Uh, n- I mean maybe it was still strawberry, but I'm pre- but yeah,
0: Knicks Knicks player kicked it in March. Dolan was videotaped berating a fan for telling him to sell it. That. That's about selling the Knicks. Uh, and he kicked the reporter... That was actually a, he kicked the reporter out of college I think it, it might
1: have been Charles Oakley.
0: Charles Oakley, that's who it was. It was Charles Oakley, you're right. Yeah, it was tra- I knew it was just an interesting name. Well, I don't know. I got down Strawberry because I was talking to somebody earlier about uh, the... Like, how... Like, back in earlier baseball, a bunch of people did a bunch of... Uh, now, now, no no offense, Dow's recovered now, but did a bunch of drugs and did a bunch of stuff to actually be good baseball players. Uh... Now that's no offense to Daryl. He's recovered now. He's a great person and he's a great individual. I'm just saying how the culture was back then. But yeah, you're right. It was it was Charles Oakley.
1: That's funny because like, I mean, yeah. sounded very familiar, but I was like, I don't remember him playing for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what threw me off because like, I was like, I'm pretty sure he was a baseball <laughs> player. Are,
0: yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's entirely my fault. But that's what makes our podcast organic. Sometimes you know. You'd screw up and you gotta admit to your your mistakes because is an interesting name and so is Oakley. But again, it doesn't defeat the purpose. Charles Oakley, all time great for the Knicks. Daryl Strawberry all time great for the Mets. So now let's use it as a comparison. Imagine if the Mets threw Daryl Strawberry out of City Field. I'm pretty sure all of New York would be like, No 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 We're not going to your games if you're kicking all time greats out of our stadium. Like, that's kind of, now that we screwed up, we could actually use it as a comparison. <laughs> so, that's why I think now I could be wrong, but I think Oakley might be allowed back in just because of how pissed the fans were. Uh,
1: uh yeah, he might be. I mean, it was, uh, I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know how you throw a grade out like that unless he does something crazy. I mean, like last night in the World Series, that's getting kicked out worthy.
0: Oh um, yeah, I'm sure you saw that, right? Yeah, the flashing and <laughs> I mean, I don't know about for life. For life might be a little harsh. Kicked out for quite a few years, sure, but I don't know about I mean, kicked out for life I feel like you have to beat the crap out of somebody personally. You there? I think we might have lost uh, signal a little Uh-oh. bit. You there? Yeah, you there? Yeah, I'm there.
1: Did you lose me?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, what I was saying is I feel like you just have to, like, I think for life is a little much because there's been way lesser, or not way lesser, excuse me, way more things done in a stadium where people have not been kicked out for life. I don't think that's going to last. I think it'll get appealed and it won't be for life. It'll be for maybe 10 years or something. 10, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see, but it's it was, uh, it was, it was funny to uh, read read about it later. I mean, it's crazy what people, people try to do at games.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't agree with what they did. It's just for life seems like a very harsh thing when I've seen people fight at stadiums, and then I feel like I've seen those same people back there three years later. So... That seems more to a magnitude degree than that. (laughs) Especially when you... When it's a double standard. Because if a dude did that, he wouldn't have been thrown out. (laughs) Like that guy that has the freaking Fanatic tattoo on his damn stomach right here. Like, like he he wouldn't have been thrown out. So, like, it's it's, it's also a double standard, which is what people were getting at, too. Uh, Where... I think they, obviously, it's not something you want to do, but at the same time, it's not a precedent you want to set as a league. And like you said, Manfred is not careful enough there. He's an idiot for doing that for life. It makes you look bad. It makes you look like you don't really care about the double standard, in my opinion. True, but...
1: That's a whole other topic.
0: For you, but, uh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole topic that we could just let First Kate talk about if they feel like it because they love talking about that stuff. But. <laughs> yeah, stay away from politics. But, um, but the side of the matter is, just to get to the final 15 or 10 minutes of our podcast here, we have Ben Simmons who, like you said, at the forefront has a bad reputation just because, uh, actually, just because of I have no damn clue, to be honest with you, uh, the, it's because he can't shoot that well, but he's getting better at that. People just need to be patient. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anyone has ever heard the phrase patience is a virtue, because I think we have a lot of very informed fans, and I say that on Twitter all the time, but we have this select minute population that just freaks out over one game, and you're like, well, just because Ben Simmons didn't shoot as well, and he didn't even play bait tonight. He had, I think it was what, like six assists. I might have the assists and rebounds backward, but like thirteen points, six and eight.
1: Yeah. Uh, tonight Simmons finished the game. I mean, his best game. I think has been that. That was that first game. Oh yeah. Yeah, this year, but but tonight he finished with a um, stat line of. That's giving me his total stats, not game by game. Um, I forget. I don't know.
0: I think it was 13-6 and 8. But if you had anything else to talk about, I'll look it up as you're talking about another player that you wanted to go on to in the final wrap-up part of the podcast.
1: Uh, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Tobias Harris. I mean, he's people are criticizing him for tonight because he was one for nine from three. So I know, obviously – that's not good. I mean, I understand that, so don't think I'm praising him for going one for nine. But, no, I'm praising him for what he's done this year. I'm praising him for the way he's taken over games. I mean, even tonight, he struggled at first. When that fourth quarter hit, he played unbelievable in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. I mean, he carried the team. He helped He helped carry the team. Boy, he especially reversal. carried this team to a win on Saturday night against the Pistons, finishing with, I believe, he had 29 that game. And, I mean, I think Harris is really playing out the way he signed that contract.
0: Yeah, well, it's like, it's like you fight through adversity, so, I mean, I think I put this as, or, uh, I mean, this would be a good thing. I think I might have put it at the end of our thing, but if I didn't, uh, you gotta fight for your right to party, just like Adam Yacht and the Beastie Boys once said. (laughs) And the Sixers fight for that. They show it. That's why people get pissed at the birds sometimes, because they show it on the field, and then when they show it on the field, they still come at us. So, it's a little bit of a disconnect, where, like I said... Win, sure, winning heals everything. I won't care if you come at, at anybody. I don't think Mark Fazetto will okay, care if you come I don't think anybody cares if you win because winning cures everything. But if you don't, it's the biggest slap in the face. That's going to be the exact opposite effect. That's the only thing I would worry about them compared to the other teams that are more of a family vibe with the media. Especially the Phillies will probably be more of that. Even because Girardi doesn't tell them everything, but he likes trying to be as honest as he can be until he gets more information. Where Gabe just wasn't good at that because of experience, nothing else where Brett Brown seems to be getting better, because one of my wrap-up points I wanted to have was how great Brett Brown seems to be developing, which is, first year he made some moves that you were like, well, well, we didn't have a great team, but he found a way to get some of those guys even better. If you think about it, Hollis Thompson is not very good at basketball. Hollis Thompson actually had some pretty good games with the Sixers. You want to know why? Because Brett Brown's a good head coach. You want to know what good head coaches do? They make guys better that are not that great. Tony Roden didn't find a job after the Sixers. Tony Roden actually looked half decent at driving the ball, at least on the Sixers, because Brett Brown knows how to bring the best out of people. Like it's not it's not it's not surprising those dudes haven't found I think Hollis bounces around. Tony Roden's been in a lot of G League and barely has seen time in the NBA. But it's not Shocking to me that those guys don't get jobs because they're really not that great. They're just average, but Brett Brown made them look better. Because, and you continue to see that with how quick Thiebel developed. That's on Thiebel, but it's also on the coaching. It's a two way street. Uh, Zaire's not afraid to shoot. He's not fully. Zaire's a guy that I think is going to take longer, but when he gets there, another great defender combined with a guy that's not afraid to shoot. And then you got Shake, who looks like he's playing with all the confidence in the world in only a second year. So. That's, that, that's on coaching, and that's on the players, and that's what's great to see.
1: Brett Brown is something that you criticized Mike Rowe and Doug Peterson for yesterday in our Eagles podcast, and that is Brett Brown knows how to get the extra step from from all of his players, and he knows how to motivate every single one of those Well, I don't players. think
0: Mike Rowe knows how to do that. I think Doug knows how to do that. <laughs> I don't think that has well, a damn just, thing to do with Mike I was saying you
1: criticized those two guys yesterday for not being able to do it every game, but I'm saying that's what Brett Brown can do.
0: Yeah, because I don't think they have done it. I think in 2017, Doug did it, did it every game with Frank Wright. This year, or not last year, he did it for most games, and then at the end, he really did it. But I think last game was more Doug Peterson's game plan where he just kind of casted out Mike Rowe. Where... I just think Mike Rowe is, to use a phrase from the Phillies, John Middleton, a potted plant almost on our team. So that's kind of what I don't think he's really needed, where the Sixers don't have a coach on their bench that's not needed. Same with the Flyers, and I think that's going to be the same, obviously, with the Phillies after you bring in a guy like Joe Girardi. So it's just a little bit of a different thing.
1: No, no, and that's why I was, I mean, that's I, agree, I I see what you're saying, and that's what I was just saying. I feel like he was the opposite of what you were saying yesterday. Yeah. yeah, he is
0: the opposite, but I I hope Doug Peterson builds off of that game plan and runs the ball more, and we'll talk about that in our preview to this week's game eventually whenever we do the preview to the Bears, but he needs to learn that, and, and I don't always agree with Angelo Cotoli, obviously, but he was Mr. Positivity this morning. I can appreciate that. And he even said to Doug Peterson, basically hinted, yeah, you know the running game worked, so use it more. <laughs> like that, like I do like that per, that personality factor I do like about Angelo because he's not afraid to come right out of coach and say you should use that more. Sometimes I think his opinions can be too homerish, but guess what? I mean, you don't have to like everything about a guy to like one thing he's a couple of things he says. So, I mean, I think this morning was one of the best times I actually listened to him and actually. Thought he was very good at what he was saying. Where some
1: mornings I'm like, I just don't feel like
0: listening to this dude. <laughs>
1: so. All right, that's the that's the one. thing yeah, mean, he has some bad questions here there, but like he he hasn't backed down from coaches, and I thought that was cool when him and Kapler used to go at it a little bit, just because like neither one of them would back down, and they'd actually get a decent argument going. Oh yeah, Gabe. Well, yeah, Gabe would go right at
0: Angelo Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I like about. That's probably one of my favorite things about. I'm a big 97.5, obviously, guy that really listens to 97.5 more than 94.1. I listen to, like, Dininger, and those guys are 94.1, Al Morgani. But um, it's really, Angelo's, I think, getting better with Philly. I think he's adjusted with the times more where it took him a little bit longer than some guys. So now he's actually becoming a better version of himself when he was already a good analyst to begin with. It's just I didn't agree with everything. Now he's becoming even better. That's the way I would kind of put it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, he helped a dude with 5000 bucks and didn't want any money. I mean, that's pretty freaking generous, so. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I mean, he's definitely a nice guy, and I could definitely meet him anywhere and have a great football, basketball, hockey, maybe even, I don't know how much Angela knows about hockey, but uh, still could have a good conversation, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's what, the, the, he's a nice dude, so. But I don't know if you had – we're at the 53-minute point. I don't know if you had any final wrap-up points or if we were pretty much good since we kind of talked about everything and everything – and the kitchen sink, really. Uh, So.
1: No, I mean, I would just say, I mean, you're going to see – I mean, you're going to see struggles offensively time to time this season, but I think it's important to realize – That this team is built around defense, and this defense has been playing unbelievable. Like this defense has been outstanding, this so far to this. I mean, again, I know it's three games, but I mean, eleven blocks tonight. Like that's eleven blocks in one game. Like that's just yeah, that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and they did it against a good team. It's not like they got ten sacks against the Jets. So you did you did it against a team that actually is worth a damn. Where. I'm not coming at the Eagles, but it's like when they got overly hyped by that game, it's like, you got 10 sacks against the damn Jets, like, give me a break. Like, so, it's a good feat still, but it's not as good of a feat as what the Sixers did tonight. So, if the Eagles come out and get 10 sacks against the Bears, then that's ridiculous, but.
1: I mean, just, again, I understand it's three games, I understand that, but. I'm gonna read two. I'll I'll close on two of these key defensive stats, and I, the Sixers through these three games are averaging. They're averaging seven blocks per game.
0: Well, what'd you say? You said ten. I'm assuming you said ten steals, maybe. Because you cut out ten
1: point seven steals a game. Okay. Yeah, ten point seven steals and then seven blocks
0: again. Okay, yeah, because I heard the seven blocks it might cut out at ten. It was like ten, and then there was nothing for ten seconds, and then it, and then it went to seven steals. <laughs>
1: so yeah, it seems like the it seems like the internet connection's been a little off today.
0: Yeah, but you know that also makes it more organic. That's how the radio shows are. When you listen to the radio shows, it's not like everybody has a peaches and gumdrop connection, especially when they're driving down ninety five in atrocious traffic. So. Uh the the um but yeah, I mean, as most people probably figured out by now, sometimes I like using pop culture quotes, especially song quotes to close out our podcast. Um but I think the thing I would have to say about this is you kinda just have to first of all, you're gonna be leaning on Simmons and Embiid a lot, but also Joel kinda hinted at it today, other guys have to step up too because he's not always gonna be there. And I think you have other guys that will step up. It could be Horford one day, it could be Jay Rich one day, it could be Tobias, who you mentioned, who's probably the most likely ca- catalyst. And it can be Ben, who's a guy that can drive and get you that point too. So I think that's the great culture we have, where um, you're going to have to, as the great Benny e. King said, lean on me with those guys, but then when they're not in there, you can lean on other guys too. And the- that's... Huh?
1: Go ahead, sir. I thought you were done. No, you go me. ahead. No, you can go. No, I was going to say, you're actually leading into a point I meant to make earlier, is how different, or how this team can lead on any one of those guys. Like, through these three games, you had a different leading score each game. The first game, Simmons 24, second game, Harris 29, and tonight, Embiid and 36. And that That's special. Like, that's special to have that. And that's not even mentioning Al Horford can be a game leader, a leader. Mm-hmm. One of these games. Yeah, I think as
0: well. I said, didn't. I say Horford. I thought I said Horford. Maybe I missed him.
1: I no, you mentioned no. no, no uh, I'm it's, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying.
0: Oh, I didn't. I thought I
1: missed him. That's why I was asking. But I mean, that's why. That's where it's going.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that point. I mean, you gotta be able to lean on more guys and not just have it be lean on me for Joe Embiid. That ain't going to work with your team because guess what Joe Embiid does? He doesn't play a lot of games. It's just a sad reality. He's going to try to play 70 this year, but I just don't realistically. I see more like 65-60, but you're able to do that with this team because you have that great culture and that great, yeah, I'm going to step up for this dude when he's out. That's the same you kind of see with the Flyers. The Flyers just need to get their defense, and then Carter Hart's going to fix himself if the dude's 21, but they need to get things going, and I think the other thing that I would obviously like to say about anything and feel we to close us out is just everybody, the way that you have to look at things is, like Bob Morley said, don't worry about a thing, every little thing is going to be all right. It's going got to be all right. Even the Eagles will be all right. Because guess what? Like I said, we might hate the BS of the Eagles. We might absolutely despise how they come at us after the game. But winning changes everything. Winning is the ultimate cure. It doesn't matter. They could literally... If if we made the playoffs this year no one would, and Sean Rodriguez got a clutch hit at the end of the season, no one would give a rat's yes, ass he called us entitled. Because winning cures everything. Even that. If, if he got a clutch hit in, like say, a wild card game off the bench, no one would give a rat's petunia that he called us in title. But anyway, we're at the final uh, 2 or well, really minute and a half of the podcast, so if you didn't have anything else to say, I figured I would close us out now with the wrap-up. Uh.
1: Oh, yeah, go for it. I covered all my points and all right, cool. keep watching this team grow. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, We opened up the actual True Philadelphia sports case. It's true underscore Philly sport just because there's no username that can be that long. So they have restrictions on that. And anyway, hit us up on our Twitter at JJBorek26. And Andrew,
1: Twitter. AJ Santangelo, or AJ underscore Santangelo.
0: Yep, so hit us up. We love the debates. We love how many informed fans we have in the city to debate with. And we love going back and forth. Also, I would also, I love debating. uh, So if people, I love when you like the tweets I say too, but I would also like a response sometimes because I'm like, well, that's cool. But like, I also kind of was hoping to have a conversation. So, but anyway, this has been True Philadelphians. Sports Kids, this has been our one with the Hive segment. And this has obviously been a great night for Philly sports. We had the signing of Joe Girardi, and we had the Sixers win. Enjoy the night, everybody. Have a pleasant good evening. Peace out.